Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and bake. Come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing and I have a few tips for everybody, you know, you know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Founding members of the WB Club never seem to be together anymore. I did not do my part the previous three weeks. Steve Rosenblum not doing his part today. So it is a solo Mark Grody show today on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Hope you are all well. Hope you enjoyed Inside the Clubhouse like I just did. And I hope you enjoy the next hour here on The Score. That's all they're giving me this morning. I got one hour to get it all in And that creates stress in my life because there's so much that I would like to jam into this next hour of the program here on The Score. And you can get a hold of me always. Let me tell you how to do that because I will be, despite the shorty, what's up, shorty, I will be taking your phone calls. I will be accepting your text messages, your tweets as well. So here is how you do all of that. 312-644-6767 is the number to call or the number to text and the man to whom you will speak is the trash panda he is in attendance he always yo what up shorty 
Sup, baby? That's Adam Stadzinski back in our downtown Chicago studios. I am broadcasting from home today because I woke up today and I said, you know what? I don't think I feel like walking 15 minutes. So what did I do? I ran 30 on the treadmill. That's why I'm all pumped up. I'm fully caffeinated. I got the adrenaline running and I hope that you guys are up and running as well. No, you don't have to be. It's the WB club. So you might still actually be in bed or maybe you are having your morning coffee or perhaps you are driving about the great, big, beautiful city of Chicago or one of its surrounding suburbs. But 312-644-6767, the number. I am on Twitter 24-7, at Mark Grody Sports. I'm on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I am social media accessible. And when I can, I do like to return your messages. It's sometimes right here on the text screen that I will have up here momentarily at 312-644-6767. So here's what we got. In the next hour, we are guest-free, but we are entertainment-full, including we are going to talk about Justin Fields in just seconds. And as it regards to will he or won't he play on September 12th at the Rams. So hold on for that. There's an NFL coach who, if you are one of those who wants to see lots of Justin Fields, this guy may have given you the most hope of anybody so far, and I don't know if anybody noticed it. So I'm going to play it for you here in just a second. Steve Stone was very passionate on Inside the Clubhouse today. As a matter of fact, he used the word damn. Why did Steve Stone use the word damn? We'll get to that in just a little bit. Stacy King, Adam Amin doing the White Sox last night. Stacy King had a moment last night in the third inning. I don't know if he realized he had a moment, but it was hilarious. And I don't know if he did it on purpose or if he was walking into something that he didn't know he was, he was walking into. And then there's mean Andy Green of the Chicago Cubs the interim manager because David Ross tested positive for COVID-19. The interim manager of the Chicago Cubs got booted from the game yesterday. It was hilarious. More hilarious is is what he said and the way he sounded after he was ejected in the post-game press conference. I want to bring back some of that. And there is much to dissect in both the Cubs and White Sox games from last night. And hey, hey, just for the hell of it, Last night, I also watched a Myrtle Beach game, the the Cubs single-A game. I watched the the first inning, and I saw Ed Howard, Chicago's very own, hit a base hit, a sharp base hit to right field. Because I'm always like, where's Ed Howard? How's Ed Howard doing? And Ed Howard hit a single for me, and then I I moved on. So, all right, let's get this this puppy rolling, because I got an email a few days ago from the the Chicago Bears. And it said, and I think I got goosebumps, it said week one media schedule, which means that every practice that we go to now as media members, it will be for real games, Bears, for the rest of the season. That's right, including on the holiday. Monday is when it starts. The Bears are off Tuesday. Then full, full installation of the game plan on Wednesday. Are you getting goosebumps yet? And Thursday they practice. Friday the walkthrough. They blast off for on Saturday and then play the Rams on Sunday. I love it because we've got we get all these training camp schedules and the specifics of who's talking, where we're supposed to go, all of that. And now we've pared it down. The real stuff begins. The peripheral is out the window. Guys, the 53-man roster is set. And now we could actually start to talk about what is going to happen in week one. Bears and the Rams, and I'm getting the first crack at this puppy here today. So the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears, 
on Sunday, we think, is Andy Dalton with Justin Fields, the number 11 overall pick in this year's draft, being the, the backup quarterback. And since... Now, hold on. Since the day he was drafted, we have all been scurrying to figure out when Justin Fields will play, even if Andy Dalton is named the starter. How does he look? How We, we have been, I will say this, I'll use these two words, justifiably obsessed with Justin Fields. I don't think that we as the media have overdone it in terms of the attention that we have given to Justin Fields. I don't think that people listening and watching and wondering have overdone it from their perspective, just on the social media interactions that I have and the calls I get on the score and the text messages I get on the score. I think it's been apropos of the level of player that we think Justin Fields is. The number one question has been, when will he play? Will he play in game one? I'm listening to Parkins and Spiegel the other day, and I'm trying to think in my head which day it was. I think it was on... Friday, I believe it was on Friday, and I'm listening to Wani, and he, he may have given Dave Wanstead, former Bears head coach, current analyst, he may have very quietly given the the biggest voice to the possibility of Justin Fields playing, and I want you to listen to this because he made it sound like at first that he might be starting. And he kind of thinks the concept of Justin Fields just doing like the backup work and practice is garbage. So take a listen to Wani, and then we will react. The tough thing is going to be, and I still think he's going to play in this game. I am not believing all the smoke about he's going to be on scout team. And I mean, I mean, guys, a scout team quarterback does nothing to get ready for the game. I don't care what coaches say. I mean, I, I did it for 40 years. I used to run, as a defensive coordinator, I would run the offensive scout team. Why? Because I knew who the favorite receiver was. I knew the plays that they wanted to run in certain situations. So we would draw these up on a card. Because you, as the D coordinator, had scouted the other team's offense. Absolutely. And I, and I knew the defense that we put in that we had to take this particular play away, okay, whether it was a run or pass. This is what we have to stop. So I would literally, every play, I would go in the huddle, and if we're playing, uh, you know, if we're playing the Bears, Allen Robinson on third down and six is the guy they're going to. I would circle with a big red circle and say, Justin, throw the ball there. There's no such thing as we're dropping. not reading. You're no, not we're not doing anything. Decisions. We're it's not all doing, predetermined. It's all predetermined, and so you know that's all well and fine, but I, I, I you know, that's what a Scott team quarterback does. Now the backup quarterback, it's usually broken down. Uh, you know, seven out of every ten the starter gets. You know, the backup gets three. Some I, they're saying he's going to be both, right? Be the scout team quarterback, and if he's the number well, two, does he also run those three out of ten? Well, I never did it that way. I mean, because here's the other side, and we'll take it one step farther. So now the offense, okay, Andy Dalton, Robinson and company, they get done with their part of practice. Now defense is up, okay. Horn blows. Here we go. Defense is out. Offensive scout team in the huddle, running off the cards. Gotcha. Now, I would always tell my offensive coaches, 
He would take the court, going back to the Bears day, when Ron Turner, I can picture it yesterday, when he was my offensive coordinator, Ron would take the quarterbacks, Eric Kramer, and he would take the receivers, Conway, whoever, Graham, running back, and they would go off to the side because they weren't going to run plays against the first defense. And they would be walking through again the period that was coming up. So now you're getting a lot of mental reps, you know, and Ron would line them up and he would call the play. Kramer would make the call and they would walk the pass routes and we'd be telling like we threw. So it was mental reps. So nobody sit and, and this and this is my exposure and this is what I'm nobody is sitting around on helmets. You know, when the other team's working, you don't get time off. Mm-hmm. You're not on the field that long. Everybody's working the entire time. So to back up, you you still think that there's a chance Fields is gonna play? I do. I, I think that I would not be shocked if I think he's gonna get in the game. I hope they use him in certain situations and they don't just Stick him in there. Do you think that that Matt Nagy, I mean, this, this was never a real quarterback competition. He never said it was going to be, and it didn't play out like a legit quarterback competition. Right. Has Fields gotten enough work of consequence with the ones or and or in games to really be used even in a package of plays? Like, has he gotten yes. enough work? Yes, because if you, if you said to him, you're going to be, and I think we might have touched on this, if you're going to be our red zone quarterback, when that ball gets at the 20-yard line or whatever, 25, 15, whatever you're calling the red zone, these are the plays that we're going to run to the entire offense. Justin, you got it, and everybody's got the plays and because this is what they do on defense. So we have 15 plays. Justin, when we get in red zone, these are the runs, these are the passes, these are the quarterback runs. Run. You're getting the eight reps, and now Dalton's getting two. So now you're getting all the reps, and what helps him, he can go in now and know more than likely what he's going to run on first down, second down, third down. And, you know, you, you go in there at the beginning of the second quarter. Think about this, guys. And somebody jumps off sides, all right? It's first and 15. Mm-hmm. The next play, somebody gets called for holding. I mean, the, the, the guy never – you can't control the situations that he's going to be in if you just stick him in the game and say, hey, you, you've you got the next quarter. You, you don't – or not the next quarter, but next couple series. You know, you can't control that. Where red zone, you can control it. Goal line, you can concern. So there are specific things that he could really be prepared to go in and execute and, and execute them at a high level. I, I, I agree with Dave Wanstead right there. He's on the score the other day with Parkins and Spiegel and the afternoon show 2 to 6. Monday through Friday right here on 670, the score. Here's the thing about the Bears. What Matt Nagy and this organization has to figure out this year is that they have to figure out how to be better than mediocre, which is what they have been the last two years. They've been exactly 8-8 eight and eight the last two seasons. I know they went to the playoffs last year, but it just didn't feel like the playoffs, and then they were bounced in round one of the playoffs. They have to do things to force the issue. So one of those things would probably be using every single playmaker you have. Justin Fields fits in that category. So what Dave Wanstead is saying, this is a slam dunk that you bring him in in certain scenarios. I don't think Dave is saying right there, start Justin Fields. I mean, he seemed like he got right up to the precipice of it. Like he was close to saying that. I I almost wanted to say that. Like the code red was almost ordered, but it was more of, no, they're not just going to have this guy sitting on helmets and doing 
nothingness during practice like a lot of second string and third string quarterbacks do it's going to be different with with Justin Fields they have to force the issue and I know people got sick and tired of the gadget stuff in 2018 with the Bears with Matt Nagy or thought that it was something that was not sustainable and maybe Matt Nagy realize that too because we didn't see a lot of it in 19 and 20 but that was because he had to that wasn't so much like I'm Matt Nagy I want to show the world what I've got well maybe a little bit but some of it was just necessary to match the prowess of the defense and to put points on the board so if you want to win games this year if the Bears want to be better than what they were the last two years they got to take chances. They got to roll dice because the roster is similar to what it has been the last two years. We all know the issues on the offensive line. So you got to get creative. And why not do it with the guy that wears jersey number one? How about one Grody? Yes, sir. Uh, before yes, sir. we move on to yeah. the next topic I see calls here. Too. Yes. yes. How about. I just thought of this in my head scenarios in which to get Justin Fields on the field game uh-huh. one. A, a two-point conversion package with Justin Fields where it's basically all runs. It's like you out of shotgun, empty set maybe, or even like all tight shotgun set, and it's just snaps Justin Fields, and he just runs to the pile and not runs everybody. Like It kind of feels unstoppable when right? you put it that way. It, it does. I mean, it, seriously, if you because you have to respect his arm and defenses. They, I imagine that Sean McVay is a, a really well-prepared coach. I imagine that he will have his defense ready for some kind of Justin Fields package or like be alert. It's like, okay, if this guy's on the field, we have to respect his speed. We have to respect his arm. So they're not going to, they're, you know, you're going to make them think just by having him on the field. And I imagine a two point conversion play like that, like just outrun everyone to the pile on man. Yeah. Yeah. It does. That feels pretty unstoppable. I like it. Trash Panda. That's Adam Sidzinski, AKA studs, the producer of this. this and uh, show. professional NFL play designer. <laughs> yeah. yeah clear. Oh, and sometimes co-host you, you're now my official fill in on the, on the wake and bake show with Steve Rosenblum. F- feel free to work on Monday. I'll take the day off. If, no, if you, you know, uh, I'm going to sleep in on Monday. <laughs> I don't you know, actually get I don't get holidays off very much, man. I gotta take advantage. I I've been in this business a long time and I have not I've probably had like five holidays off in my life. Yeah, exactly. So that's, right? that's, See. that's what we that's what we sign up for. And sometimes it's uh, to our advantage. Sometimes. Um so as far as speed goes, it, it this reminds me of of course Sean McVeigh, yes, he will have he will have the defense ready for when or if Justin Fields is to come into games. If he doesn't, then that is just uh, on his part. That's, that's a very, that's very poor planning because I remember last year when Darnell Mooney, this unknown rookie fifth rounder out of Tulane would come into games and I'm down there very close to the sidelines, no fans. So I'm hearing a lot more audio from the players and I would hear them shouting at the top when Darnell Mooney would come in. I mean, this again, unknown dude, I'd hear players on the defense just shouting, speed, speed, speed. Like, they're like, okay, we know that guy. We've heard about this guy. That's the guy that the coach was saying, hey, if this guy comes in the game, be careful. So if they were ready for Darnell Mooney last year, damn straight, they're going to be ready for potentially a Justin Fields scenario. One other thing before I get to a couple of your calls here at 312-644-6767. One thing that that Ryan Pace was spot on about in his press conference was something that I was noticing early on in Bears training camp as well. And one of the reasons that Justin Fields is ahead of where 
I thought he would be, and a lot of people thought he would be. The coaches and, and Ryan Pace are saying he is what we thought he was going to be. But I think they even have to be a little surprised by the fact that when he when he goes through his progressions, he is not staring down one receiver. I'm sure he has been guilty of it at times. Most of the time, I, I see him looking off one guy and checking down and not, not always just going to the safety valve and Artavis Pierce, in his case, considering the team that he had, the second unit, it was finding Darnell Mooney down the middle or finding one of his, finding Jesper Horstead downfield instead of his primary target, who was maybe a Rodney Adams. That was impressive to watch. You know, because sometimes you just, if you're a quarterback, you just want the sure thing and you hope to God that your primary read gets open. There was that poise with Justin Fields. And I think that is symbolic of why he's ahead of where we thought he was. There's a lot of reasons, and you guys got to see some of it in the preseason games, but I'm watching every single practice and seeing him do things that I didn't see. And I had a lot of hope for Mitch Trubisky. This is not to disparage him. Uh, but I I didn't see Trubisky doing that early on in practice where he was using his eyes and showing that kind of calm and subsequently trust in, in the offensive line. I watched, I watched yeah. a, a great breakdown. That's exactly to your point. I watched this. It's like a 12-minute video that Kurt Warner did about Justin Fields. He's been breaking down on his one of his YouTube pages, about uh, breaking down nice. a lot of the rookie quarterbacks. He broke down Justin Fields' preseason tape. And, and like... He basically confirmed that like this guy knows how to read a defense because he would like look at the set like Kurt Warner would like bring up the play, whatever it was, and he would break down like, okay, on this play, I'm gonna look for this guy and this guy, and what they do is gonna tell me where I wanna where I'm going to be looking for whatever receiver, whether if it's a hitch route or a guy in the middle, whatever. And he basically confirmed on like five or six plays he went through, he's like, okay, this guy is doing exactly what he should do on all these plays. Like he's seeing the same thing that I'm seeing, like the, the safety split. Remember the end zone play that like he tried to make in the back of the end zone to Jesse James. Yep. Yeah. A couple. He's, a couple yeah. Times. Yes. Yeah. So he, he looked at that play and he's like, okay, the safety split on this play. So that's exactly where you want that ball to go. Go toss the ball to your big tight ends and let him make a play. Like no one else is catching the ball. And you know what? Jimmy Graham probably comes down with that ball. So yeah, he, he, like, he basically like in this one video, Kurt Warner is basically saying, like, I mean, there's a few plays that it's like he needs to get the ball out quicker here or there, blah, blah, blah. But he's basically saying, like, he's seen and getting the ball to where he should be going on a lot of plays, which is a really good sign when he's still this young. Yeah, absolutely. And the poise thing is real. I know that we've been hitting you guys over the head with the poise thing, but it's in his case, it's not hyperbole. It's real. You you guys have seen it. It's the way he carries himself. A again, being on the sidelines for these games and just watching his demeanor over there, the way he comports himself on the sideline is exactly the way he comports himself in games. And even when we get chances as a collective media out at Hallis Hall to talk to him so far, I mean, it's just everything about him is impressive and let's not look past the big brains I mean he he is using those on the field as well so it who knows what it adds up to on on Sunday but he's a weapon you should use a weapon let's go to Jim in Beecher hi Jim thanks for waiting you're on the score Mark how you doing uh, good to talk to you man you are really really uh, fun and interesting to listen to thank you Jim uh, a question. It's that a is? scouting question. Um, 
you know, we've been hearing since, uh, I guess, April, since the draft, about how all the plaudits about Justin Fields, about physical skills, mental skills, and, like, this guy is almost the greatest thing since sliced bread, so to speak. I'm LOL uh-huh. on that. My question to you is this, uh, from a scouting standpoint, uh, in what area or areas does Trevor Lawrence grade out better than Justin Fields? Hmm. All right, Jim. I, I got to be honest with you. I have not watched a lot, a ton of of Trevor Lawrence in the in the preseason so far this year. So I don't think I could give you a clear answer on that. What I what I've been trying to figure out, and it's a good question too. What I've been trying to figure out is still why Justin Fields dropped to 11. Is there that big of a difference between somebody like Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields? I think that the arm strength is similar in both cases. I think that they have both played pro-style offenses in college. There is similar poise for sure. I think... I think obviously the athleticism for Justin Fields is better than than Trevor Lawrence at this point. But you have to say that there is some strength, and maybe this is the answer for Trevor Lawrence. Maybe right now he's a better pocket quarterback, and that is something. Like obviously you're not going to have Justin Fields rolling out of the pocket and elude like he that the play to. To Jesper Horset, he's not going to be doing that every single time. So I would say, from a scouting perspective, right now Trevor Lawrence is probably better at that about just being the patient in the pocket quarterback. Justin Fields, like sometimes I say this about guys that are great athletes, or or in Fields's case, they have super speed. They want to use it, and sometimes you got to know when to hang in there that extra second to get the 30-yard play instead of the 15-yard play with your legs. So I think that's probably it right now, but we shall see. The reports out of Jacksonville have been solid but not overwhelming for him at this point. Um, so that that's that's probably the best I could do without having really laid eyes on him a lot during this this preseason. 312-644-6767. We'll take more of your Bears calls. I do want to get into the White Sox and the Cubs. Some strong opinions from Steve Stone this morning on Inside the Clubhouse and an angry Cubs manager yesterday and two games that we should uh, definitely break down for the Cubs and the Sox. But Bears talk is on. 312-644-6767. It's Mark Grody on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Unlock me! Unlock me! You falsified your research. It's Mark Rody at Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. I got a tweet here, at Mark Rody Sports. says, Mark, this is from... Uh, Jim Jim Hotman. Jim Hotman. <laughs> Mark, uh, don't you cover the Bears? Not being a smartass either. In my opinion, I wouldn't think Nagy would lose the locker room. I, I, I wouldn't think that Nagy would lose the locker room if they bleeped the bed in the first game and made the change for the second. Kind of expected that anyway. Yeah, it, we, we totally agree, man. Um, no, he would not lose the locker room. He would be, if the change needed to be made and everybody felt Justin Fields was ready. He would be applauded inside the bears locker room at bears headquarters for putting in the quarterback that would give the bears the best chance to win. And maybe in week two, when the bears host Cincinnati, that will still be Andy Dalton, but that that's the name of the game is putting the guys in that give you the best chance to win. And I think that Matt Nagy, Followed that up, lived up to that last year when he demoted himself to not play caller. So he he did it because he had to do it, and he's made changes before on this roster with players. So he he will be zeroing in on that closely. And I said it earlier this week when I was filling in for Lawrence Holmes. You have to understand, too, that I believe that Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, at the ends of the days, no matter what they say, they're they're sticking with their plan. And they're sure that Andy Dalton is their starting quarterback. But there has to be a little bit of doubt in the back of their minds. Like, are we making the right decision? Is it maybe Justin Fields should be the starter? They're sticking with this plan, but it's not a slam dunk. You know what I mean? Like, it took some deciding and doing before they came to this. So, that and, and obviously, especially in Ryan Pace's case, it would behoove him to have Justin Fields as the starting quarterback sooner than later. Let's go to Bruce 
on the Edens. Bruce, thanks for waiting. You're on the score. Uh, Mark, I'm actually happy that Andy Dalton is starting the first game and how many other games, in, at least until the offensive line gets its act together, because I want Justin Fields in one piece. So I don't <laughs> think – I think that he'd get injured if he started game one. That's a reasonable – I'm not trying to... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, Bruce, that's a that's a reasonable thought on your part. That has definitely entered my mind, and I think you're not alone in that thought process, Bruce. Bruce, thanks for the call. Thanks, Bruce. I appreciate you waiting. I think. I, and let me address that a little bit further because I thought this was really interesting. Again, when I was filling in for Lawrence Holmes earlier this week, I had Tom Thayer on, the, the former – Bears guard in the 80s, Super Bowl champ, current broadcaster on the Bears radio network on WBBM. And he's all for a couple of positions on the offensive line doing some form of a rotation where, yeah, Jason Peters probably is your starter at left tackle, but Tom thought he saw enough good out of the fifth-round rookie Larry Borum that he should play on opening night, that they should spell Jason Peters, that there should be some sort of maybe even scripted rotation at left tackle. And then the one that surprised me, and I don't know if I completely agree with Tom on this one, but he even mentioned at guard and specifically for James Daniels, who was injured last year. He was injured in camp, didn't have a lot of camp this year. So I think it's Tom's thought process that while James Daniels gets to full speed, football speed, all of that kind of stuff, that you have Alex Bars come in and spell him at times if need be. I guess the only reason I disagree on that is because I think that James Daniels could be a a Pro Bowl guard this year if you just let that guy go full force. But, I mean, look, if he's not in – if he's huffing and puffing out there, you want to get Alex Bars into the game. So I thought that was interesting. And, yeah, all eyes – will be on the the offensive line for sure this year and hoping that and there is a lot of that there's going to unfortunately that's w- because of the injuries and because of the depth there is going to be a lot of god I hope this works uh on Sunday night and because of that you will probably see a different game plan in game one for the Bears offense as you will see in game five when hopefully things start to tighten up and everybody rounds into shape on the Bears offensive line. All right, I want to talk a little bit of uh, White Sockos now. The Sox last night lost to the Royals by final score of 7-2 to after a forever rain delay. Dallas Keuchel did uh, not do himself any good, good last night. It was another rough night for for Mr. Keuchel. I mean, there, a couple starts ago, I was still like, oh, maybe he, you know, he's the veteran. He sneaks into the playoff rotation. No, no, doesn't look like that's gonna that's gonna happen for him. There's some specific spots in the game that I definitely want to get to, but there has been an ongoing debate on the score about the the Sox record against winning teams this year and beating good teams and whether or not it means anything for the regular season and then eventually into the postseason. And one of the, the leaders on the side of it doesn't matter what you do during the regular season once you get to the postseason. Obviously, you have to do enough in the regular season to get there. But 
Steve Stone was on Inside the Clubhouse earlier today with David Haw and Bruce Levine, and I want you to take a listen to his strong words on this. Well, look, having been involved in professional baseball for 52 years, I believe you make nothing of those numbers because when the playoffs start, those numbers don't mean a damn thing. You just set them aside and say, okay, it wasn't the greatest year against plus 500 teams, and now go get them. The hottest team wins. We've seen the Cardinals win win the, the World Series with an 83-win team, and I pretty much guarantee you they were under 500 against 500 teams that year. We've also seen a lot of wild-card teams win the World Series, and I pretty much guarantee you they were under 500 against 500 teams. Once the playoffs starts, nothing really matters except who's hot, who's healthy, and who's able to string together solid baseball and get 11 wins. Steve Stone makes a good case for sure. I do think that there is still a lot of meaning and good that comes from beating good teams during the regular season. Or if you'd like to put it like that, having a better than 500 record against winning teams. Because then when you play those ultimately really good teams in the postseason, you have a pretty good idea of what you need to do, what a team needs to do to beat good teams in the postseason. So I disagree with Steve Stone. I, I think that there is a lot of meaning in these games. I think that when I watch, like, like I've said all year, I hate watching the White Sox play the Royals. I hated watching the White Sox play the Cubs, quite frankly, or any team any team in the White Sox division except for maybe Cleveland. It sucked because it, was, it wasn't a proper barometer. Uh, I think that there is human nature that kicks in for the White Sox when they play bad teams, that they're to some degree the proverbial playing to the level of, and maybe we saw some of that last night in the 7-2 loss. It's boring watching great teams play bad teams, and I do think that there's meaning in it. I understand the randomness of the postseason as well, but most of the time, most of the time, it it is the, the best teams that win the World Series. Steve Stone is absolutely right about the Cardinals in 2011, but the Let's just go 2007, and I'll rip through the World Series winners. 2007, the Boston Red Sox, legit. Philadelphia Phillies, 08, legit. Yankees, 09, legit. Uh, San Fran, the Cardinals in 2011, San Fran. Boston, San Fran. Kansas City Royals, Chicago Cubs in 2016. They were the best team in baseball. The Houston Astros, love them or hate them, they were the best team in baseball. 2018, Red Sox. 2019, Nationals. That was interesting. That that would that would go in the in the other column because it was like great pitchers getting hot, and I did not expect the Washington Nationals to win in 2019. Last year, the Los Angeles Dodgers. So it is usually the best teams that win. It's not not quite as random in the postseason as you would think, even in baseball, even with short series and the, the anything can happen factor, which does exist, but just ripping through those names, those were all, the, none of those teams seem really flukish to me, except for the Cardinals and maybe the Washington Nationals as well. Got to take a quick break. Still to come, something that Stacy King said that I thought was hilarious. I don't know if he knew it was hilarious though, or maybe he did. I I don't I don't know. And then the Cubs manager Andy Green was making me laugh yesterday as well in a Cubs Cubs have won four in a row, a Cubs six five win. It's Mark Grody. It's Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. I'm sure, it's a take three zero. You never know though. <laughs> 
He'll take all the way for a straight. There you go. See? See? I don't swing on 3 0, baby, unless you, got, unless you got the lead. If you got like a 5 0 lead, I'm going. I'm swinging. <laughs> I don't care what Tony LaRusso says. I'm swinging. <laughs> he gave me the take sign. I'm like, come on, Tony. It's 3 5 0. Come on, bro. Listen, let me hit this. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You tell me. Did, did, uh, did State. Was that a play on earlier this year with your mean Mercedes and the. The, the 3-0 take sign that was not took. I think we would have to figure out, like, I don't know how closely Stacey Keen actually follows MLB and MLB storylines. I mean, that was a big story in this town, so I'm sure he heard about it. But I think we would have to confirm with him if he was trying to play on that on that storyline. Yeah, I, can't, I couldn't tell, man, because that would be something Stacey King would say anyway, just to have fun during a broadcast. Like, hey, man, I'm, I'm full swing here. But, the, but the, the laugh made me think that maybe he... Let's play it again, Adam Staszynski. You, this is... Okay, this is like back in the day. For, for some of you older listeners, this is IBM Presents You Make the Call. Did, was, did, was State, now when you listen to this, did Stacey King, was he playing on the controversy that surrounded your main Mercedes swinging at a 3-0 count when Tony La Russa had strictly told him not to? I'm sure it's a take, 3-0. You never know, though. <laughs> He'll take all the way for a straight. There you go. See? See? I don't. You don't swing on 3 0, baby, unless you, got, unless you got the lead. You got like a 5 0 lead. I'm going. I'm swinging. <laughs> I don't care what Tony LaRusso says. I'm swinging. <laughs> he gave me the take sign. I'm like, come on, Tony. It's 3 5 0. Come on, bro. Listen, let me hit this. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because he even mentioned Tony LaRusso and then Adam Amin just chuckling along. So I, I couldn't. They're both poker players. I couldn't tell if that was a. A play on that controversy or not um so that was a rough inning too by the way that was the inning that cost the the white Sox from an offensive perspective because they had first and second and nobody out and nobody scored for the white Sox in that second inning the rough one for the Sox though was the kansas city third when dallas keichel loads the bases and uh, looked like he was going to get out of it. It was loves the base with one out, strikes out uh, Carlos Santana, goes full, went all the way on Alberto Mondesi before he rips a single up the middle, and then a rare misplay by Luis Robert. It was costly because they don't score; th- they scored all three runs because. Luis Robert bobbled that baseball. And I know a lot of you guys probably didn't stick with the game last night just because it was the forever rain delay. And uh, But it is entertaining watch, watching the Frank Thomas show. I do like his shows. They're hey, fun to watch. We have a – just to – I know this is jumping back to a topic about the White Sox against above 500 teams. Yeah. But uh, we have a texter, Mr. J. Crowley11, who yeah, apparently yeah, yeah. broke – yeah, broke down the last – 15 years of World Series champions and their record versus 500 teams above 500 teams. And so let me see here. The the Dodgers were 8 and 5, so barely okay. above. The okay. the Nationals were exactly 500. Well, that doesn't surprise me yeah. by the way. And I, oh, I, yeah, I did yeah. point that out that Boston, I, I think that 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 fits in the Steve Stone category for sure. Boston was 44 and 31, so pretty decent. Uh, what is 8 games <laughs> above really 500. Good. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Houston in 2017, 18 and 15. And that Houston team was pretty good. Only three games yeah. above 500. Okay. 
And uh, let's jump back. So then there's a couple more teams above 500. And then the, the Giants, 2014, 27 and 31. They were below 500. The Giants were okay. Yes. St. Louis, 2011, was actually exactly 500. The ah, team that okay. Steve was referencing. Yeah. The Giants, the year before that, 33 and 41. So that's both years. That, actually, pretty much huh. every year the Giants won the World Series, except for one, 2012. And even then, they were only two games above 500 against. 500 or better teams i think so there's no there's uh, what what i'm getting at here is there's no real pattern well well no but i think anything over 500 against good teams is good even if it's just like you can't say just three games over 500 right if the the Sox were three or four games over 500 against good teams we wouldn't be talking about that but that is interesting and and i'm glad that you you stayed especially the san francisco one i i would not have expected that with with those teams but i i just don't like those teams eventually do like it's the, the randomness does not exist in baseball as much as we think it does jesus the yankees in 2009 were 52 and 35 against <laughs> <laughs> wow wow <laughs> hey what were the actually what were the 2016 cubs do you have that 2016 you... cubs were 31 and 25 31 and 25 that sounds about right yeah so any you know three or better against over 500 teams i think is like where you want to be and it's it's pretty good but that's interesting and it's it's a it's a really good debate i just think it it there is meaning in despite some of those exceptions i do think that it, there is meaning in beating good teams like you don't i i would like if the Sox were seven games over 500 i'd be pumping them up and saying that's really good because guess what they know how to beat good teams and that little secret unlocking that secret in the postseason would would be helpful it's not everything but it would be helpful all right to the cubs here because i'm running out of time cubs have won four in a row six five victory yesterday and Andy Green was the acting manager in that game. He's the bench coach because David Ross tested positive for COVID-19. He got ejected in the sixth inning because he was he, he thought that Kevin Newman of the Pirates, that this slide into Sergio Alcantara was a little bit rough. So he goes after the out after uh, Tom Hallion. I mean, really going after him, threw his hat into the ground. And then <laughs> I'll be damned if Tom Hallion didn't. I don't know who won the fight. Like, like if it's a verbal fight, I don't know. Tom Hallion came back with some pretty good verbal jabs after Andy Green. But I want you to hear just this. I know the music's playing, but it was the greatest, like, 10 seconds or so from Andy Green. It's very Beavis and Budhead. So he's asked, who, who the hell was the manager after you left the game, Andy Green? And who was the manager at the end of that game? That's a great question, isn't it? <laughs> uh... I didn't stick around to find out. It looked like Tommy when he went on the field late, but that's, uh, I think, at this point in time, uh, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, might be able to find that answer for you tomorrow, though, for sure, but it looked like Tommy to me. <laughs> I thought that was great. By the way, to the texter, the, who, tell Grody the Sox limped into the playoffs in 2005 and went 11-1 in the playoffs. First of all, I was there. I covered that team all year. I was in Boston and Anaheim and Houston, so I was there. So you don't tell me what happened to the two. Yeah, I, I remember that, and it sucked, and it was nerve-wracking. And every White there. Sox fan, yeah, every Sox fan 
hated what happened at the end of that season. It was it was horrible, and to some degree, they got lucky down the stretch. So, yeah, nobody ever wants to repeat something like that. That's it for me. Cody Decker is coming up next, and it's Cubs baseball at 1245. Mike Esposito on the pregame today. Cubs and Buckos. I'm Mark Grody. I'll talk to you on Monday at 7 a.m. on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait Wait a minute, minute, Mr. Post. Wait, wait. Wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.